Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, here to pitch his idea for a show starring a chimpanzee on NBC... It's real Juan Belogan. Welcome. <laughs> hey, how many seasons do you think that show would get on NBC? Um, I think you could get a solid two out there. That's what I was thinking. I was you thinking solid beyond two. two. By that point, before season one airs, um, what's the animal? PETA is already at our doors. Right. Season one finale doesn't do well. <laughs> They force the tra- us to but the trainers two. are so expensive that it's just like I don't know. We might as well get one more season out of them exactly. and see if we can improve the ratings. Yes, exactly. yes. Um, so if you've seen Jordan Peele's new movie Nope, you probably get that reference we just made. But if you didn't, surprise, we're here to talk about Nope, the now third film from Jordan Peele. Um, there's a lot to get into with this movie. I'm really excited to talk to you about it i think before we get into that i'm just really curious about what your thoughts are on peel's previous two movies um especially because get out was such a cultural phenomenon back in 2017 and then he followed that up with us a couple years later which was a hit and received pretty good reviews but i feel like as far as general movie going audiences go it was much more divisive in terms of get out so i think before we go into this this third one i'm just curious like what's your relationship been with peel's previous two horror movies because i guess he has this long career beforehand in sketch comedy with like mad tv and key and peel and even doing the the movie keanu with uh keegan michael key so i but but as far as his horror the switch to horror he's made kind of in the last few years. What are your relationships with the previous two movies? I loved get out. I think it's universally loved by everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I enjoyed us. I really enjoyed it. I think that one stuck with me longer than get out did. Cause get out. I saw it. I kind of caught what it was doing. Mm -hmm. Us for maybe a week and a half later, I was still like, okay, so what was he trying to tell us? And mm-hmm. I think that one, I was doing a lot of mental gymnastics. Um, and yeah. I think the third one, um, Nope, goes back to Get Out, which I don't think there are many. It's not hiding a lot of stuff. It's pretty much mm-hmm. straightforward what you get here. But yeah, that's my relationship so far with the Peel directorial films. Yeah, I, I would say, I'll, I'll even be honest of like when I first saw Get Out, like I thought it was good. But it sort of took like seeing it two or three more, t- like like seeing it multiple times later that year. Because if I remember correctly, that that came out like very very early on yes, in the year I think it when it, when it did. So like it it being available to watch on like HBO or whatnot, and seeing it multiple times, that's where I think it it grew for me as like mm-hmm. oh wow, like he's he's doing a lot of. It, this isn't just like a really well-crafted genre movie. Like he's doing a lot of like interesting allegories and there's so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm. And then with us, I think I enjoyed it in the theaters, but then like, I think when I rewatched it, I still enjoy it, but maybe it doesn't have the same kind of like, I don't feel like I'm unpacking more mm-hmm. as I rewatch that one. 
Um, even though I think it is like in some ways a, a better made movie than mm-hmm. Get Out is, yeah. and obviously has like, I mean, one of the great Oscar travesties of the last few years is that we did not nominate Lupita Nyong'o for her performance in that movie. Um, And as far as this new movie, I really enjoyed it. I I think it will take multiple viewings to see if it it rises to the level of, of get out. Um, But I, I had an exhilarating time at the movies, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts of kind of like, we'll, we'll keep things kind of like, non-spoiler to begin with and then i'll i'll give us kind of a a clear boundary of like when we can start spoiling certain aspects of this movie because i i feel like peel and universal have been doing a pretty good job of kind of keeping it like vague what it is like like i feel like most people kind of know like all right this sort of seems to be him doing a ufo Mm -hmm. movie but that's Mm -hmm. really about all people kind of like how that's all i knew about it really going in was that it was a ufo movie and I think them doing that is great because it just adds on to the spectacle. You're like, okay, what is it? What we want to know more. They right. told us nothing about it. And if you're if you haven't watched it yet and you're listening, don't look up anything. I've been commenting on tweeting back at um, news articles or news entertainment sites that are like kind of giving spoilers away. Like this afternoon, I was like, delete this tweet. No one needs to know right. what this is about. <laughs> Even the smallest thing, delete this because you need to go in blind. Um, I will say, I don't know why I didn't do it this time, but I think Peel movies are movies best watch with other people. I don't think you can, you yeah. should watch any of his movies alone, which I did this time. Uh, um, Get Out, I watched with other people and same thing with us. This time I watched it alone. It was in the middle of the day. There were some people there. I wish there I came with a friend or like this place was packed because I was mm-hmm. talking at the screen and it was <laughs> a lot of fun in that regard. And I was like, oh, no one is saying anything. It's just me um, really engaging with the film in this way. Um, I liked it because I was so surprised in so many aspects of this whole thing. I'm trying to not say anything spoilery. Um, it's a good story. The whole mm-hmm. reason they're doing what they're doing, I found very interesting and extremely original. I'm like, y'all, Jordan Peele, this is another original film. It's not a, a sequel of anything. It's an original IP and we just need more. I don't know what Hollywood is not understanding. Like we will go see original movies if they are good. Yeah, he's he's in this. I mean, he's reached this kind of ideal status as a filmmaker where just like, you know, us talking about how vague this movie has been in the marketing, like people will go just based off his name is on the Mm -hmm. box of just like, I want to see whatever that whatever is coming out of his brain. Um, and I, I actually saw it, like the press screening I went to was packed with people. I think without getting into spoilers, like a very like disturbing middle section of this movie like people Mm. were like gasping and shrieking in the theater and it it was kind of the best environment to see it in um i guess a quick kind of summary i'll give of the movie um it uh essentially follows daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer they are siblings um they have inherited this horse ranch and this horse training business uh their family for decades has been training horses to be in movies whether it's 
classic westerns or as humorously pointed out multiple times in the movie almost worked on the scorpion king movie but then they decided to use camels instead um and their father who's played by the great character actor keith david um mysteriously passes away i guess that's that's maybe the best way to to phrase that on mic um and they're beginning to lose work in the business as Hollywood moves more towards CGI effects and don't necessarily need practical animals on set. And so the business is in dire straits. Living down the street from them is Steven Yoon's character, who is a former child star who has now cashed in on his fame and built this kind of Western amusement park outside Los Angeles. And some Bizarre things begin happening around their properties involving a UFO in the area. And Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya get the idea that in order to help save the family business, they should try and capture footage of this UFO on camera and sell it for a lot of money. Um, They eventually seek out the assistance of a like video store employee and a kind of washed up cinematographer and I think I've been just kind of describing this movie as like, this is Peel's Jaws, I think. Like yeah, I saw your letterbox it, and I was like, dang, that's it. Yes. And of it, it, you know, there's obviously been comparisons I've seen people made to like Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, or the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, if we're going to keep in the Spielberg realm. But mm-hmm. Jaws really is the movie I thought of, of like, it kind of has this slow pace easing into the movie it is a monster movie at heart where i think peel like spielberg sort of instinctively understands like the monster itself what's scarier is not showing you the monster in kind of naked daylight what's scarier is keeping it hidden and insinuating that the monster is hunting you Mm -hmm. through a variety of kind of audio and visual cues but you as an audience member and the characters maybe can't see where it is, but know it is surrounding you in some way. And it is also kind of similar to Jaws in that it becomes kind of this like ragtag collection of people who all band together to to hunt down this beast that is lurking out in the wilderness. Um, and I think, you know... There's a certain hyperbole to, I think, comparing a movie to something like Jaws that is like, I don't know, one of the five greatest movies ever made, in my opinion, or something like that. But I think Peel really rises and is it's it's exciting to see he's now at that level of craft of like he can compete with someone like a Spielberg. And just wow. Like so early. Sorry to cut you off. He's done this so early. This is just his third film. Right. And you're like, yeah, we can compare him to Spielberg. And I agree. Yeah. And just his, I was just so exhilarated by his just sort of masterful understanding of just how to build suspense through the sort of simplest of things. And you at no point in this movie don't feel like you're in total someone who has total complete control and understanding over the total like audio visual experience of seeing a movie and the the use of sound in this movie is so incredible and like hinting like when where 
the UFO is in relationship to you. Um, I'm curious, did you happen to see this movie in IMAX? I did. And I think you, you should see it in IMAX. Obviously, yes. that's what Marketing Universal is saying, see it in right. IMAX. <laughs> but I think it it works well. You need to be in that well-surround sound auditorium for this film. Yeah, I think there's also something about, like, you know, IMAX is this very, like, tall frame. Mm-hmm. Like, it's this basically, like, very tall kind of square frame. And, you know, we obviously think about it with, like, the the scope of a movie and think about like really, really large scale movies. And I think watching it in IMAX, it, it immediately clicked for me of like, Oh, the reason he's doing this is because this is a very tall aspect ratio Mm. and you get all of these great sequences where, you know, characters are in frame, but are looking up at the sky and the camera is like having only slightly having to tilt up. And so you get kind of like Daniel Kaluuya in frame, but also like you as an audience member are looking up constantly and the camera is sort of panning to the sky as you see this, uh, this UFO move in and out of clouds. And it, it really is sort of like the perfect format for a movie that is essentially about like people nervously looking to the skies as something (sighs) is like, quickly zooming around you um you know i have to mention that like he got hoita van hoitema who is kind of like if you don't know who he is is like kind of the the god genius of using imax in movies like he's basically become like christopher nolan's new go-to cinematographer and has shot several of his more recent movies um and and i i think just Peel's vision with his technical skills behind the camera really give you some of it. There's just sort of sequences in this movie where it's like, oh, I've I've never seen that in like a million UFO movies that I've seen since I was a kid, like something captured on screen in quite this way. Um, two things. When you said um, they wanted to capture the UFO, you missed the big part, the Kiki Palmer of it all. Um, it, they needed the Oprah shot. The Oprah and, shot, yes. Like I was waiting. <laughs> we'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. They needed the Oprah shots, and I think it's escaping me at this point. No, the Stephen Yun character, former childhood child actor who tries to monetize his fleeting fame. Who I thought mm. I thought that was so on the nose, and then how the audience yes. is sparse for the thing. I was like, this is this is very good. I don't know if it was intentional, but I like it because this is something a child actor would do. Like, I got to keep this going, keep it go, keep it going all the way through. Yeah, I think I think we can tie both of those things into like this is kind of also a movie that is a bit of like there's a little bit of Hollywood satire in it, mm-hmm. um, and a bit of like a movie about like the process of making movies and like you know they're their whole quest isn't to necessarily like capture the UFO and like sell it to area 51 by Amazon or something like that. It's, it's like they're trying to get an image of a reel of film on the, this, this strange object floating around in the sky. And there, there is, I mean, maybe it's just cause like I'm a huge movie nerd. Like there, mm-hmm. there I I'm automatically going to like kind of fall for something that's like, 
the filmmaking process is part of the the thrill of the movie um i want to talk to you about the the cast specifically steven you or or well well maybe we should save steven yun's character more for like spoiler stuff but definitely daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer um what did you think of them both in this movie so i think for me i i don't know what i expected from daniel's character but he plays it very subdued and i've Mm -hmm. heard people saying like well he's a rancher he's not going to wear his emotions on his face he's going to just kind of pull it back a bit maybe it's true but i don't know why i expected a little bit more from him but then again, I can also see he's like the straight man to Kiki Palmer's uh, the big comic relief of it all, it appears. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised by what he did there because we've seen what he can do, especially with Jordan in um, Get Out. Kiki Palmer, correct me if, I don't know if I made this up, if this is actually true, but did Peel say he wanted Kiki in this? Because he was like, he wants her to be the leading lady or like she should be a star. Is that I feel like thing? I saw that. I feel like I saw that somewhere else. I can't yeah. I can't totally comment on the vol- validity of it, but right, that yeah. seems like something I've seen s- in the several ether, other places. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm glad she's in this starring role because I agree she has been a star for a long time and she deserves this. She kills. Every time she was on screen, I was like, this is why you need to put Kiki in your films. This is why. She stole the scene. She's a great comedic actress. Her face, also, she can she tells you what she's feeling in her face. I think it does it really well. Um, and the mm-hmm. the guy who worked at the no 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 before I go that the cinematographer when we first hear his voice, I was like, that's yes. creepy. I'm creeped out. Yes, he's scary. Yeah, Michael Wincott, who's like uh, another kind of like legendary character actor person who's like been in a bunch of genre movies terrified me the first time i was like i don't know what this guy's (laughs) doing here but i'm scared and then um we see him and things happen moving on but um and then the guy from like the best buy adjacent type store he was a fun guy don't know where he's from i think he was doing good stuff he was a good also comic relief and like yeah yeah brandon Pereira is is his name and i don't i don't think i'd ever seen him before but he is he is quite funny. I mean, I, I I think the whole cast is is quite good. I I really agree with you that I think like Palmer and Kaluuya are it's such a like perfect like yin and yang match of personalities of she whenever she is on screen, it is just this like effortless ball of charisma and the whole movie just like you know it is like she is a a son and the whole rest of the movie just sort of orbits around her Mm. um and is so like exhilarating and exciting and you know i know she's done like a lot of like wasn't she she's been on like a morning show and and all kinds of she's she's someone who seems to be like kind of throwing her her star power around in like different in different mediums but Yeah. yeah 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 but have definitely like walked away with this of like, I I want to see you in more movies like, <laughs> and you should be the lead of more movies of like the just someone who is just able to have so much effortless charisma on screen and match that with Kaluya, which I'm gonna I'm gonna drop maybe a little bit of a hot take here. Mm. I I kind of think he's like the best 
Is it is it crazy if I say I think he's like the best actor of his generation? Oh, at, at the moment, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't know where yeah. you're going with that, but absolutely <laughs> agree. Absolutely agree. I, I just I I kind of talked this a little about this a little bit like the Oscars a couple years ago when he won for Judas and the Black Messiah, but just someone who like. Every time I think I got this guy like figured out into like what he can do as an actor, mm. I see him in something is like I I did not know you had this in you and is like constantly surprising to me. Um, you know, it as you said, he's sort of matching this sort of like exuberant charisma that Kiki Palmer has mm. with this like very subdued, very subtle performance that, you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons to kind of like great classic hollywood actors like you know it's a little bit of marlon brando a little bit Mm -hmm. of montgomery cliff like these very kind of like stoic interior performances but yet he's so express he's still so expressive with like his face and his eyes in particular and you like at least for me like you perfectly understand what he's feeling what he's thinking in every moment and yet it it feels like this kind of like classic old Hollywood cowboy performance. Um, and and I I just I'm so excited for just anything that he's in um, and was like I, it, it was just this perfect kind of this really exciting young actor doing something that kind of felt like intentionally in lineage with kind of like an old Hollywood sensibility to me. And that would make sense because I'm people are saying that he's in a true Western. That character mm-hmm. is in a Western. Being that stoic and I can do this, no, no fear, is a guy, is the John Wayne in a Western, absolutely. So I get that. And he and Kiki have great chemistry that I bought, that they were mm-hmm. siblings. I was like, that's me and my sister. The nitpicking, the going back and forth yes. in the early <laughs> on, I was like, that's my sister and I. Like, this is spot on. Yes, Exactly. Um, so I'm curious, but before we move into spoilers, any kind of last, like, non-spoilery things you want to mention? Oh, um, I think Jordan Peele, his background in comedy adds to his direction in horror. Because as a comedian, Mm -hmm. he knows how to set things up. And a lot, it happens quite a bit in this movie, where I think something's about to pop up, or it's about to do the jump scare. He waits. Mm -hmm. He just holds yes. it a bit longer, and then it happens. So I think that's because of his comic background that he knows that, let, let hold on, they're anticipating it at this point, but I'm going to let them relax a little bit, and then boom, there it comes. So I really enjoyed yeah. it. It happened quite a bit in this. Yeah, it's never really surprised me that he's kind of gone on to be this this great horror director, because there there is so much similarity with, like, comedy and horror are both of these genres where you're essentially kind of like playing the audience like a fiddle Mm -hmm. and you're like it's all about timing and expectations and sort of having kind of like false diversions before like really hitting what like a punchline the same thing as like a scare or something Mm -hmm. and even and him finding a way to kind of weave both of those sensibilities i don't know it's 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 always just like made so much sense to me of like yeah, the guy who's like an insanely gifted comedic actor is also like and has 
is able to so naturally like extend that knowledge of how to play your audience to a horror genre, which he seems really passionate about. Um, all right. So going to give a clear warning right now. If you've not seen Nope, please come back and listen. Um, but giving a clear spoiler warning right here. Um, I'll throw in some sort of alarm or something like that. So I think while we're talking about cast, let's talk about Steven Yeun's character a little bit. Um, I thought he was quite effective in the movie, even though he's not in a whole lot. Um, I want to get your, yeah, I want to get your thoughts both on his performance as well as, as we come to learn one of his credits as a child star was on this sitcom about in the late nineties about a family that had a, I guess like pet, I guess it's a pet, a Mm -hmm. pet chimpanzee. And there's a horrible accident one day on stage where a balloon pops and the chimpanzee just sort of spazzes and freaks out. And, horribly attacks if not kills a lot of the people in the cast and maybe a few people in the audience and the first image of the movie is actually this like very chilling shot of like the stage we have no context for this Mm. of the stage and this like bloodied chimpanzee just staring dead-eyed into the camera um and eventually steven yun kind of gives an explanation for this um, he reveals to Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya that he is has created this kind of makeshift museum, and w- there is a sort of fetish that is formed around this kind of hidden TV show that, like, the network wants to like forget happened, and so people will like pay him like insane amounts of money to get get memorabilia or stay in this museum, mm-hmm. and then midway through the movie we get a flashback sequence revealing I thought pretty horrifically, like one of the more disturbing things I've seen in a movie in recent years. Um, The attack kind of like unfold um, from his character's perspective, kind of hiding underneath a table. Um, And I think kind of talking with people like walking out of the movie and kind of seeing reactions online, I think that scene and like what it means to the movie, I think has been, very divisive amongst people Mm. about whether or not they think it works and whether or not it fits with everything else going on with the ufo um i'm I'm just curious like what your thoughts were of yoon in the movie and kind of how well what you thought of that kind of middle flashback sequence and whether or not it it worked and what if you do think it worked like what do you think it sort of means for kind of the larger narrative of the movie Yeah, I want to answer the second part first, that one. I think it works. I don't think the um, chimpanzee losing it goes directly with the UFO, but I think it just adds to the importance of what Daniel Kaluuya's family has long done as, um, Mm. what do they call them? Animal trainers. And Mm. I think that's what it was shown. I don't know if it was before or after this scene, we, it must've been after before, but we see when the, director the producer of the film he was going to be on or commercial whatever he was on set with with that horse they left and then he Mm -hmm. you see daniel trying to recreate that ball that they had in front of the horse early on Mm -hmm. so i think 
I'm saying all this to say that Daniel Kaluuya's character is trying to train this horse to prepare for what that item is in case something goes wrong, connects back to that middle scene of the chimpanzee losing it because that balloon Mm -hmm. pops. Obviously, there's not a trainer who may have prepared for that. So the chimp wasn't ready for that to happen. Um, So I'm curious why people, I can see why people say it doesn't connect to the UFO because it doesn't, but I think it connects to their family's company or whatnot. So I enjoyed it being there. It was a lot. And especially showing (laughs) that chimp, even though we know it wasn't a chimp, like, um, I guess it was the mother just going back and hitting her. I was like, all right, I didn't need to see that again. And it did it a couple of times. So that, that was a bit jarring, but it it worked for me. It was like every fear I have about chimpanzees pretty much like solely realized of just like you know because every now and then you hear those stories of like yeah someone had a pet chimpanzee and for some reason it just flipped out one day and like ripped their face off or something like that and and then like jordan peele just put that like exact fear of like walking out was like turning to like a couple of my friends who were at the press screening was just like that's why guys if any of you ever get it i'm like ending our friendship i'm not getting anywhere near a a chimpanzee i don't care how well trained you say it is no i'm not getting near one oh man and steven you and i think i could anyone have played that character yes and no um i i guess i'm still processing his character because it took me a while to realize that oh he's kind of a bad guy he's trying to buy the family prop ranch so he can expand Mm -hmm. this whole ufo thing um but he's also i think because the movies he's well i'm thinking of him in um what's the movie he did recently the oscar bait one not the oscar bait oh uh minari minari so i'm coming off thinking of him in minari as like this good guy um Mm -hmm. and so i see him i was like yeah good guy here and then he's not bad guy but you know I'm more curious yeah. what you thought of him there because I don't think I fully come up with an opinion of Yoon's performance. Yeah, there's something there's something about Yoon as a performer. There's there's a gentleness there, and mm. and I think for me, I kind of bought. I guess I sort of bought him as as a child star that had now sort of blossomed into an adult because there is sort of like a youthful sort of. Yeah. He he has a bit of a baby face kind of and so oh, there does, is that yeah. kind of like easy connection there. I think there's something to me a little like off and kind of creepy about him and and I think that speaks to what you're saying of kind of like not totally being able to like put your finger on the performance and then I think when you see that flashback sequence you're like this is a guy who's kind of haunted and went through this like very traumatic thing and then is now still trying to put on this like public performance, this sort of like public face of still like a whimsical family friendly entertainer, even though he basically saw a chimpanzee like beat his coworkers to death. And you know, the, the chimpanzee sequence to me, I think, it's it's interesting. I had not heard the the theory you brought up before, but I think it's it's another like interesting connection to it. My sort of like immediate thought when I in, w- like left the theater was, I feel like it kind of primes you for the sequence that comes after, which is basically we learn that so essentially St- uh, Daniel Kaluuya has been selling a lot of their their ranches horses to Stephen Yoon to kind of like 
keep up a rant or, or, you know, pay the bills, all that kind of stuff on the ranch. And we learn that Steven Yoon has been sort of sacrificing the horses to the UFO. Um, Cause we see early on in the movie that the UFO seems attracted by horses and will kind of suck them up in its kind of tractor beam mouth. Um, and so we learn in this sequence following the chimp flashback that Steven Yoon is attempting to kind of build a performance around the UFO where he has an audience there. He has a horse that he's going to let free and sort of use his bait to draw the UFO out of the clouds. Mm -hmm. And it ends up horribly backfiring. I thought in another very, very disturbing sequence in the movie kind of sucks everyone up into Mm -hmm. its, its mouth, its eye, whatever we want to call it, the sort of center of the UFO. And I guess as we sort of see, it is not necessarily a spacecraft, but some sort of like weird alien organism that it's like eating the people inside. And like you hear their screams as they're sort of being like digested within the belly of this animal. And even as it's like flying around and like attacking Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's ranch. You can like hear the screams of people. And then there's the scene where it like rains, like barfs out the blood of everyone. Like that whole from like the attack at the, the amusement park to the like raining blood on the house and hearing the screams of people as they're being like digested and stuff like that. Like the, the audience I was with was like, freaking out and mm. and shrieking and gasping and i like looked over to one of my friends and he just had like his hands yeah. like covering his face um but i think it is sort of in thematic pairing with the chimp scene because and and maybe there's a little bit of like the horse thing that you brought up of like trying to control an animal for mm-hmm. the source of entertainment mm-hmm. and you know Steven Yeun's character having bared witness to this this horrible disaster where like these showmen thought in Hollywood thought like yeah we can get totally get this this animal this wild animal under control and will function in a in a chaotic stage environment and it goes wrong and a bunch of people die and then he is sort of doomed to sort of he repeats sort of the same mistake over again um with this ufo in sort of thinking like all right i know it likes horses i can draw it out with this horse and then it backfires and just eats everyone (laughs) in the audience at the amusement park um and i think fits in with like one of the ideas i think peel is dealing with is this idea of like you know what links we will will go to for entertainment and for spectacle and to try and put on kind of this wondrous show unlike anything you've ever seen before and the ways that that can like poisonously like backfire against us and can like lead to doom and death and i think that even fits in with like you know people die as daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer are trying to get like video of this alien and it it being this sort of like this quest to to get some form of entertainment out of like an uncontrollable organism 
and that leading to nothing but death and destruction at the very end. You, I, I'm looking at my phone because in the beginning we get a Bible quote and I wrote it, most of it down because I was like, I want to mm-hmm. look into that later. And you, what you just said basically about like performers, animals trying to control an animal for our entertainment kind of speaks to this. And mm-hmm. I think it also speaks to the chimp, the, uh, the horses, and even the UFO. Uh, the verse, I'm not religious, so excuse me. I think it's Nahim 3.6. But yes. the, uh, the uh, not the New James text, the English Standard Version, it says, I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Is that not the monkey? Is that not how they right. treat the, the chimpanzee? The, the horses, even the UFO. I thought it was brilliant that they said, oh, you looking at the UFO is going to attract it to you. Yeah. Anyhow, it, so... It, yes, it, it is our sort of perverse fascination of like, yeah, but I just... I just want to see, I want to see this. I have to look at it. You know, it it could be something of like, you know, it's the same idea as like when you pass like a terrible car accident or, or when you're driving down the road and you're like, why are people slowing down? And it's because people are slowing down because they want to look at like Mm -hmm. the, the horrible car accident, the like bodies spewed Mm -hmm. on the street or something like that. And of like us, us as, uh, just a people we have this sort of perverse fascination of we we want to see the the sort of the ungodly the unusual and i think peel is kind of doing this kind of cautionary tale of like i don't maybe maybe that stuff's gonna backfire sometimes or maybe that stuff is gonna lead to your to your doom um that was at least kind of like my i think in the days since i've seen it kind of like my biggest sort of thematic takeaway from the movie but obviously i think one of the cool things about this and why i was really excited for this conversation is like so seeing reading so many other reviews and seeing so many other reactions online of people having kind of different interpretations of what they think kind of thematically peel is going for in this movie i'm curious like what if were there any other kind of ideas that you we're kind of taking away or things that we're like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Like why he's, he's sort of focusing on this in this section of the movie. Um, not that I can think of at this point, but I'll say back to Stephen Yoon. I think the, you, you mentioned that people will pay like excess of dollars to stay at this uh, walking museum. He creates on this show and mm-hmm. which goes back to the spectacle of it all. he, people are forcing him to relive that trauma that he probably can't process because he's being forced to relive it because he needs to. He's like, I have to stay afloat and these people will pay me. I think he said maybe tens of thousands of dollars just to sleep here. So I can't Mm. empty this thing out. So I think that is probably even talking about the crutch of being a child actor. The more I think about it now that whenever anyone sees these child actors they just want to bring up that one movie you were in what about that movie right they're like hey i've done 10 other things since or that's so many reasons why these child actors quit because they're like i just want to get away from this one character um yeah right like how how much are you like selling your soul to kind of like exactly giving giving yourself giving this part of yourself over and just like reliving this one thing over and over Mm -hmm. because that's like all you have to to give and like all what people want. 
um, mm-hmm. from you. So I think the next thing that kind of that's sort of spoilerly to go into is to kind of talk about the alien itself a little bit. Um, so more into the climax of the movie, we sort of learn as as kind of said that it's not necessarily a spacecraft. It's more of this like organic. Eight, like it's it's a thingamer bopper. It's a you know they make a joke of like it's a one eyed one horn flying purple people eater in in the movie. Like, and then we get to the the kind of big climax of the movie, and the alien is able to sort of like shape shift and becomes this weird kind of like Salvador Dali like ribbon flying thing in the sky that has like this changing shape kind of what a mouth let's say a mouth i don't know what it is um and it becomes this sort of like kaleidoscopic thing just up in the sky that happened intentionally i thought it was like they blew it up or did they damaged whatever it was and that's what forced it into that way i i kind of took it as sort of like and I've seen some people kind of bring it up here as like the the creature kind of changing form to kind of like mm. further intimidate them or something like that. That's or like scarier. Right. Like kind of uh or like when you corner an animal in the wild, like I'm I'm thinking of like on Animal Planet, those like birds that they might do like um or or a snake or something that might like a cobra that might like flare up its mm. yeah. um its I'm not a whatever biologist, so I don't I whatever they saying, call the though. things that come I, out yeah, of the cobra. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's that's how I interpreted it. Um, there were definitely some kind of like huh in the in the audience, mm-hmm. I think, when that happened, because it 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 goes from this very familiar shape, like we all grew up with the idea of like the flying saucer up in the sky, um, and goes to something a bit more abstract and kind of I don't know that it quite worked for me. So, like it, it, it leans a little bit into silliness, but not mm-hmm. enough to kind of like really hurt the movie Lose that you. much yeah. for me. Um, but it was interesting kind of talking with people afterwards, like, yeah, odd, odd choice. And then I've seen online some other people that were like, I admire the ambition of like, I'm going to go for something that's even more alien, even more undescribable, um, which made me curious to kind of get your thoughts of like, when that climax hits and it gets like i said even more abstract and even more like what is this thing that i'm looking yeah. at like i i thought this was just like a a you a flying little green man saucer up in the sky and now it's this like ribbons with this like kaleidoscopic <laughs> mouth thing that's like changing shapes and all of that jazz and i think it's trying to what we said earlier as peel being with being a comic originally kind of knows what you are expecting. So he's going to hold you a bit. Maybe that's what it was. Cause I thought Mm -hmm. like everyone, that was a spaceship and aliens were going to come down. Then it was like, no, this is an organism. That's the mouth. And then it ships. It's uh, uh, it's form again to confuse us all. If that's what's happening. I I truly thought they did that by Mm -hmm. with the balloons, but I could be wrong. Um, Also interesting that it's those like, things those balloons and ribbons that yes. <laughs> really that's what's gonna get it knocked out man it really got right. stuck in his esophagus there 
yeah yeah there is kind of um i i you know this is another thing that just reminded me of jaws of like you know like at the end of jaws when they kill the shark by like roy schneider just like shoves the the co2 tank in the shark and like shoots it and it blows the shark up of like kiki palmer releases one of the big balloons from yes steven yoon's amusement park and the creature consumes it and then the balloon pops and the creature pops and the ribbon creature just <laughs> falls over the 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 scene um i guess before we wrap up and kind of maybe talk about some comic-con stuff uh do you have any kind of last nope nope thoughts before it was, it was there's a lot up? of humor it was funny um and the reason why i think you should go with if you can get hey COVID is rampant out here so if you go to a full theater wear your mask mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do but I would highly recommend it's better to be seen with other people, people who don't yes. mind you talking at the screen. Because I think Peel di- does this on purpose. Like he wants you to talk to the screen yes. to talk back to it. Because uh, there, there, there is times. a lot of hollering at the moment when like, it's it's the moment when the UFO is right above Kaluuya and he's in the car and he like slowly starts to get out and like looks up and it's like the black hole in the mm. mouth and you can hear the screaming people and he just shuts the door and is like, nope. Nope. Yeah, nope, yeah, nope, yeah, nope, yeah. nope. Like everyone in my theater was just like started like whistling and like applauding and yes. laughing at that moment. And it just gets back to that thing we've been talking about of like he he's such a like instinctive crowd pleaser and mm-hmm. knows how to both I think knows how to provoke his audience while also know and challenge them um in sort of the ideas and maybe some of the visuals and stuff, but you know knows just how to do like a kick-ass really entertaining scary funny summer blockbuster does it well 10 10 out of well not 10 out of 10 um peel does it again does it again yes um so yeah as we're talking uh i figured we'd 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 lop on there's been a lot of comic-con developments um really i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on like some of the marvel stuff there was a lot of big marvel announcements last night we got um a a black panther 2 trailer finally um first what are what are you feeling that 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 teaser trailer dude like i was like oh so so they're gonna make us all cry (laughs) in this movie theater i i i this is a moment for me to to maybe like do some some emotional like check check myself Mm. i've i've been nervous on this podcast of being like i don't i don't i mean it's it's valiant of them that they're Mm -hmm. doing this but i don't i don't know if they're gonna pull this off do it oh well well i was i was for months i was just like i don't i don't like they gotta climb a big mountain to like for this of like for how successful that and like impactful that first movie was the loss of Chadwick Boseman is Letitia Wright. Like, mm-hmm. can she carry her own movie? All of the stuff of like, because of COVID, the production was like starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And I was just like, I don't, th- this poor movie, like it, life is throwing some wrenches at this movie. Absolutely. And then as, as you said, like I, I fired the, the, someone sent me the trailer last night and I was just like, well, well shit right right google might have pulled this off like yes yes 
<laughs> that's exactly how I felt because of all the rumors we've been hearing about the production stops and goes because of COVID. Letitia Wright has some things that they were like, look, we got to come on. So because but, of that, yes. I was like, I'm, I'm very, I was like you, I was very worried about this sequel. And I don't think it's going to do as big as the first one. I don't think it will, but I, obviously for Marvel, it'll do well. But then they, Again, I was like, whatever, I'm going to watch it. I'm not really excited for it. They dropped this teaser trailer. My, I get, again, I'm getting chills talking about it now. Yeah. I watched this thing. I was like, oh my goodness. You hear Angela Bassett narrating. It's like, I've given you all everything. Uh, you yeah. hear um, the Temi's cover of Bob Marley's, what is it, Women yeah. Hurt. And then it goes yeah, to- Yeah, No Woman, Ken- No Cry. Yes, thank you. Then it goes to Kendrick Lamar's all right. I was like, what? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I lost it. As soon as the Bob Marley cover came in, I was just like, oh, damn it. They, yes. They're gonna, <laughs> they, they, they've, done, they've done it. Uh, and, and I'm like, who knows? We'll see when the movie comes out. I think some of my apprehension also was just sort of like, and maybe this is a little bit of a bridge into like the other Marvel announcements that were made and sort of feeling like, I don't know. And this, this latest like phase four, whatever this was like, this, this has kind of been a weak, mediocre phase. And I I just like it. It was just like, all right. All right, guys, I'm eating my words. This, this looks like (laughs) if you, if you pull this off, you're, you're, this is like the biggest Testament I've seen to like, I don't know, maybe they'll pull it off. And it's this like great comic book, colorful comic book blockbuster Mm -hmm. that is also like this incredibly moving tribute to a movie star who has gone too soon like Mm -hmm. if if they if they pull all of that up pull all of that out like i don't know this might be something really special and it was kind of like exciting to be sitting there kind of like laughing being like oh my gosh they might actually (laughs) they did it oh my goodness i can't i'm i'm uh, like i've been in a marvel fatigue the Miss mm-hmm. uh, Marvel, I, I enjoyed, I didn't love. So I was like, all right, I think I'm good with Marvel for a while. Yeah. I need some space between the next project. This comes out, they release everything else that's coming out for the next three years or so. And I'm like, let's go. Let's FG, let's go. <laughs> like, I'm ready to see all of it. Um, aside from Black Panther, Captain America, New World Order, just the mm-hmm. title got me, the New World, World Order of it all. I was like, Oh, shoot. You're using this very intentional. I hope you Mm. go there with whatever this story is about to be. But just the new world order of it, really, I leaned in. I was like, okay. I think I'm a little still nervous about the rest of the stuff of like, I got to be honest, the what is phase five, this this next phase that's going to be the next couple of years, like, Mm -hmm. I mean... I'm intrigued for whatever this new Captain America direction is. I'm, you know, I'm excited for like another Guardians movie because I like those. Like, I'm really, I'm excited to see Mahershala Ali be Blade, but like, there, there's not a whole lot. It still sort of seems they're kind of like dealing with a lot of like bees. It, it feels like they're not bringing out the big guns a little bit with like this next lineup and sort of looking at stuff on the calendar. Like, you're. You're going to do it like an Agatha series <laughs> like that's like because that was a meme like yeah, that 100%. I, I was just that's sort of a little and, 
Yeah. And then them sort of being like, but we promise we're going to do like, we're finally going to do secret wars. We're going to bring in the fantastic four, but that's not going to be until like 2024, 2025. Like that's in the the stage yes, after yes, this. Yes, yeah. And it was a bit like, I don't know. Like you're, I'm sure Kevin Feige is laughing at me saying this mm-hmm. on his pile of money, but like there was a little bit of like, I don't know. This still sort of feels like you're kind of like making us wait for what, for the big stuff that we know you have later on. And of knowing that like the general consensus, even though a lot of the shows get a lot of views and a lot of the movies are still successful there, there seems to be, as you mentioned, and we've talked about it on the show, like a little bit of fatigue setting in and mm-hmm. people being like, I don't, I don't really like feel as invested in this anymore. And the quality of this stuff kind of looks to be taken like a little bit of a dip and, or feels to be taking a little bit of a dip. And so there was a little bit of just sort of like kind of bold move and kind of, I don't know. It seems like for me as a consumer, a little bit of a questionable move of like, you're going to like, you're, you're really counting that people are going to sit through a lot of kind of, another ant-man movie and like an agatha series and another captain marvel movie and and a lot of the uh to like get to stuff that people are like really 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 excited for in another stage is what i'm kind of getting at the thing i think i agree with the movies let's just do the movies for now yes for the movies, I watched all of them. Then Infinity War happened and Endgame. And I was like, oh, shoot. All of this were connected. It was all connected. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind. So I know it's... I'm just waiting for them to go to the next Avengers, which they've announced too, for it right. all to connect again. And I'm just waiting for that. And I think that's making me really disappointed at the Disney Plus shows because in mm-hmm. the back of my head, I'm like, well, how's this connecting to the movie? How's this going to connect to the bigger, larger thing of it all? And I don't think right now they have. They've done like little droplet. Well, except for WandaVision. WandaVision and Doctor Strange, those were the same thing. Besides those, the other Disney Plus shows, and I guess um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but they're kind of their own realm. If Kevin Feige Mm -hmm. was like, Disney Plus shows, they're their own universe. Don't connect it to the movies. Right. I think I would better enjoy it. Because the entire time I'm trying to figure out how is it going to connect to the movies. Right. Yeah, it's becoming a lot of a lot of stuff being juggled in the yeah. air and of like, you know, it used to be they maybe had two, maybe three at most movies that they kind of had to connect in a year. Yeah. And now there's like three movies, four TV shows. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant stream of stuff that's happening. And, you know, we've we've beaten a dead horse on it on on the show of like it kind of feeling at a certain point, like or feeling like lately, like the resources are stretched a bit thin and maybe like it's like this. This just has to get sent out. This has to get sent out because we got to have it come out before this thing, the tie into this thing and all of that. And and it's it's a feeling a little bit like. Again, Kevin Feige is probably laughing at me sitting on his gold toilet listening Absolutely. to this podcast, but a, a feeling a little bit like 
I don't, I don't know. Do you need to do so much? Maybe, maybe, right. maybe, I, maybe take a step back. <laughs> I still think, I think we're, it's oversaturated. Marvel Studios is yeah. oversaturated 100%. We don't need all of these projects. There's something that comes out like every two months. It feels like, yeah, I haven't seen the latest Thor movie because I said, I just need to take a break from Marvel. Yeah. So I think I, I may be in the minority in that thinking, but I just want them to go two months without any project. We got right. four this month. We're going to get um, She-Hulk next month. And then November, I guess October, September is that two month I'm asking for. Because then we'll yeah, get... there's there's your two months. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll get Black <laughs> Panther November. Well, Rilwan, thank you for, for joining this week and, and discussing Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, what you want to let the listeners know how they can find your podcast? Yes, go your find us. Movie we podcast? are on all, all anywhere you can find a, a podcast. You can find us at Real Connections. That's R E E L Connections. And this week's episode that will come out, we have one on Monday about Friday Night Lights, and then Wednesday we get a trailer reactions episode to Black Panther where I go into more depth about how I almost cried in those two and a half minutes. Wonderful. Yeah, that's that's just prime content right there. Prime that's content. what I'm saying. 